Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Do Movies Badly, a podcast exploration of my cinematic ignorance. I am your host, Jim Rohner, and despite being an amateur film critic since 2006, I am woefully ignorant of many films, filmmakers, and genres that Consensus has deemed important. Thus, I created this podcast to document my journey into cinematic edification. At the top of every month, I choose a filmmaker or genre of which I am woefully oblivious and discuss the significance of it with a guest, who will then recommend me three titles most relevant to the topic, which I will then watch and report back on in subsequent episodes. This month, I'm exploring some Christmas-themed horror films, and joining me to discuss is, you should have guessed by this point, he's become a yearly tradition on I Do Movies Badly, the author of Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas, you may know him from The Rap, or from the Nolium Knife podcast, or from the plethora of other podcasts that he has, Alonzo Duralde. Alonzo, thank you for joining me again here on I Do Movies Badly. Oh, thanks for having me, Jim. It's part of the season. <laughs> it certainly is. And so I'm glad I was able to snag you in time. I thought ahead this year instead of <laughs> asking the week before December, hey, can you squeeze me in? So um, I'm, I'm proud of Much myself. Much appreciated. Yeah. Much appreciated. <laughs> um, this is, of course, um, your time of year, the, the the busiest time of year in terms, well, I guess your time of year in terms of busyness, in terms of your speciality. But before we even kind of get into that, a check-in. How have you been doing? Last time we checked, uh, there wasn't really talk of a pandemic, and now we are firmly in it and, and approaching our first uh, our first Christmas, uh, wondering what a, a, a pandemic Christmas looks like. And your husband been doing? Uh, you know, hanging in there, thank you. Um, you know, we, we both kind of already worked at home, so it, that part of it hasn't been that big a transition. Like, I, I don't work out of the wrap office. I've always sort of done my thing from mm-hmm. here. Uh, but, you know, obviously the same stuff as anybody, just in terms of the the cabin fever, the not seeing friends, the canceling of, you know, trips or any kind of you know, group activities. Uh, we are, we're already really doing a lot of planning to make sure that we can make Christmas as, as awesome as we can, given the current cr- constraints. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're, you know, figuring out how we're going to, we're decorating our balcony for the first time this year. And then we're going to have friends come and sit on the balcony at a distance from us <laughs> so that we can at least have that kind of level of, you know, togetherness and um so yeah just kind of coping with things and uh uh, thankfully i I married somebody who likes to cook and (laughs) he has done a really amazing job at you know converting one of the closets in our apartment into a pantry (laughs) so we're really like stocking up and 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 you know making everything here and and it's it's yeah it's turning out okay but obviously this this is it's the pits but you know we're we're getting through and, and i hope everybody else is you know Figuring out ways to make the holidays, you know, to, to give themselves the stuff they like while also being very mindful about, you know, maybe this is not the year to go hang around grandma, you know, and, yeah. uh, this is, you know, like making sure that uh, if you're going to if, if you have to leave the apartment to shop, that you don't go to the mall, you go somewhere <laughs> where you, you can ensure that you can be at a distance and have that mask on or all that stuff. You know? um, and listeners, uh, if you didn't know, Alonzo is uh, on the West Coast and the key should be him talking about going to a mall, which. Uh, here in, in New York City, we haven't done in a long, long time, uh, no, no. <laughs> no matter what. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's been it's it's certainly been a tough year. And peek behind the curtain for the listeners, there was there was kind of um, a toss up as 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 to which theme we would talk about. I, I had talked to Alonzo a little bit, and it was kind of um, a decision between do I want to do Christmas horror films or do I want to do kind of the quintessential Hallmark ones, and and <laughs> It all kind of hinged on, honestly, the election and just kind of what would the mood be like? And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I felt like, you know, thank, you know, thank God that, uh, you know, we, we are no longer going to have to suffer through four more years of the Trump administration. So I thought, you know, a little a little um, horror that we can uh, deal with, that it might be cathartic and even maybe a little bit entertaining. Like, let's do that. Whereas if we were facing four more years of uh, Moria, then... Maybe it would have needed something saccharine to kind of in, like get Absolutely. get me through Christmas. So, uh, hey, maybe that's a preview of, of what'll happen next year. But this year we're talking about Christmas horror films, and, and funnily enough, I was like, not that this would be a challenge for you. What what would be a challenge when it comes to Christmas movie recommendations? But more of just there seems to be something at first blush kind of inherently contradictory between the darkness of of horror and the light 
and brightness of the Christmas holiday season. But I was reading something, I think it was on the AV Club the other day, that was um, a uh, kind of a list of like how many holiday-themed horror movies there are, starting with the least to the most. And I think the least was um, Hanukkah. There was only one horror film set around um, Hanukkah, <laughs> I believe. Um, and then by far the most, somewhat surprisingly to me, Christmas. It seems like if you're going to set a horror movie around a holiday, it's not the go-to isn't necessarily Halloween. It's actually Christmas, which actually kind of surprised me. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm so just just to, to preface, I'm so not a horror person. <laughs> like, I, I really, I, I do have a whole chapter of, of Christmas horror movies in my book, and that was the one that I really had to sort of was the trickiest research and certainly one that I don't think, I don't think I'd seen any of those movies beforehand <laughs> uh, because it's just not really my genre. I'm a big chicken um, and it, it's generally at my go-to. Uh, but what I think that I've, I've, I kind of have noticed in, in the process is I think it's precisely because uh, Christmas is one of the last things that we sort of tend to think of as pure and unsullied and innocent that makes it an effective counterpart for, uh, for horror. You know, I, I call it the, um, it's the pure white snowdrift that one drop of blood shows up, you know, all that much more <laughs> prominently. Um, you know, I, I think that it, it gives you a real sort of juxtaposition between a season that is supposed to be about, you know, love and fellowship and caring and our best selves contrasted with, you know, horror, which tends to deal with people at their worst and, you know, situations that are at their worst. And so, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think in general, I think when it comes to holidays, period, Christmas is going to be the most represented. But I think holiday horror, uh, you know, really gives you a backdrop that you can you can really have some fun with if you're a horror filmmaker. Yeah, and, and it, it does it does make a little bit of sense if you think about it because um, for many people, the Christmas holiday season, you think of rest and relaxation. Maybe work is winding down, and it's kind of like and that idea of spending time with the family is is that brings you joy and peace. And for others, it's like there couldn't be a moment of more high tension and hostility even, especially, sure. yeah, let's look back at, a, at, at the recent election. Um, how many awkward conversations are there going to be? Have there been around the dinner table when it's like, so you voted for that guy, huh? And just imagining kind of like, <laughs> oh God, this is going to be terrible. Um, right, yes. That's that's the Thanksgiving horror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, also, side note, listeners, since you can't see this, Alonzo is sporting the, the most festive beard for this conversation. <laughs> he calls it his pandemic beard. I'm calling it his seasonally appropriate podcast beard. Um, but it's absolutely wonderful. Um, now, okay. out of curiosity, since you weren't really a horror guy, when it came time to write that part of your book, or to, um, and if this is going to be one of the recommendations, don't spoil that maybe, but... What was your entryway into it when you're like, okay, I got to do a Christmas horror themed thing? What is what was the first one for you? Uh, probably Black Christmas, which we, we're not going to do today because you you'd said you'd already seen it. Um, but that was a film that um, was came very highly recommended by a lot of people and and was was sort of pointed to as even a precursor to Halloween. I think people think of John Carpenter's film as being you know this sort of real kind of paradigm shift and sort of created the slasher film and, and even the holiday linked slasher film. And then a lot of people are like, well, no, actually Bob Clark kind of got there first of, you know, three or four years before that. And, uh, and so, you know, and, and I, I knew a lot of the cast, I was familiar with a lot of the cast members, obviously, you know, uh, Olivia Hussey, Margot Kidder. Um, so that was, that was a good place to start because I, I was really, you know, uh, I thought that I, I, I mean, I, I appreciate horror and I understand why it's important and what it does well. And I'm, I'm not one of those people that, you know, if, if, you know, horror in general, that being a genre that I poo poo. And then if, it, if there's a good one, like, Oh, it's elevated <laughs> horror. Like none of that nonsense. I just, me personally, like I'd rather watch a nice musical, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, but black Christmas, uh, I, I thought, you know, was really knocked me out. And, and I thought that it used the seasonal trappings and the wintriness to, to great effect. And so I understood that, okay, there, there is a way to take what we associate with, with Christmas and with Christmas as it is presented in movies and place that into the horror genre and the two will or can, you know, blend really well. Mm -hmm. And now has that been a, I guess it's a franchise now. There's three of them that they're all, I guess, technically telling the same story. Have you kept up with the, the black Christmas iterations? 
Uh, yeah, the second one I'm I'm not particularly fond of. I I, I think it's it's kind of rote. Uh, the third one I, I think is really smart and well put together. It's a movie that I can't really review objectively because it was co-written by April Wolf, who was my co-host on a show called uh, Who Shot You for several years mm-hmm. uh, before she made the leap from critic to screenwriter. She also wrote for me at The Wrap. Mm. So it's not a movie that I can objectively stand back and, and talk about because I, I, I know her so well that you know, the Pauline Kael always said the curse of being a film critic in Los Angeles is that like you, you eventually know too many people, you know, and you can't <laughs> review them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm right and left always having to recuse myself from movies because either I wind up getting to know somebody who's a filmmaker or more often the case, somebody I know becomes a filmmaker. It's like, Oh damn it. Well, I can't talk about your movie now. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of where I am with the, the most recent black Christmas, but I highly recommend it. I think people should check it out. Very nice. Very nice. Um, what, I mean, is, is there a danger of one day we say, uh, filmmaker Alonzo Duralde, former film critic Alonzo Duralde? <laughs> No, no. Um, uh, look, I, I know there are film critics who have aspirations in that you know direction, and bless them, and wishing them all the best. I have never had any interest in being a screenwriter or a director. I think that's a a very specific skill set and a very specific drive, uh, neither of which I possess. Um, but you know, I I think I. I respect movies too much to inflict myself upon them, but uh, yeah, I'm very. I, 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 this is the lane I chose a long time ago, and this is what I'm staying in. Uh, Alonzo, if only more uh, straight white men felt the, the way that you feel, <laughs> maybe we'd be in a better place, I guess. Um, uh, now, as, as someone who really indulges in this kind, in this in this time of the year. Streaming services have historically kind of stepped up and, and kind of like, well, if this is what you want, then as soon as Halloween's over, like, here's everything. I remember seeing, I think on Halloween Day, the number one trending movie on Netflix was, I think, The Holiday. So, I yes. mean, we, we, we weren't even out of, you know, we weren't even um, dancing on, on Halloween's grave yet, and it was already kind of in that. So, but in this year where there's a pandemic and people are staying home, are have you noticed that there are even more of these offerings or just kind of, you know par for the course basically no it's definitely been a thing uh, there was a, a people magazine i think recently ran a survey that that uh, a, something like 80 percent of people had started watching christmas movies earlier this year mm-hmm. um when the when the first the, the 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 opening of the first wave i think technically we might still be in the first wave that just never went away <laughs> anyway but when when the pandemic really got rolling in in march and april hallmark uh, started having these 24 7 christmas movie weekends on both of their channels um just because i think people really wanted that kind of comfort television mm-hmm. and uh you know, and they had already started doing a like weekly Christmas movies anyway. So like Thursday nights on Movies and Mysteries, Friday nights on Hallmark Channel. Mm-hmm. So there's clearly an audience for people who just like never want to get the taste of peppermint out of their mouth, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I think, yes, in 2020 in particular, it has been a time where people have, you know, wanted to you know, like there's a whole formula involved where like the reason that Netflix signed that huge deal with Adam Sandler is because his movies did so well on Netflix. And my theory for that is I think for a lot of people at the end of a long day, they put their kids to bed. They don't want to like dive into something really complicated. They kind of want something that's going to wash over them. And like a Sandler comedy fits the bill for that. And I think for a lot of people, Christmas programming, particularly of the, of the Hallmark ilk, is um you know it's just it's pure comfort food it's nothing but you know empty calories and 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 it just it's exactly what they want when they're feeling stressed or they just you know they want to kind of tune out in front of the in front of the tv but um you know you know i mean halloween poor poor halloween uh, <laughs> because hallmark and lifetime in the last couple of years have started their like okay now we're switching over to 24 7 christmas and we're premiering the new movies <laughs> always the weekend before halloween even starts and this year because <laughs> halloween was on uh, saturday they had started a full week earlier so already the weekend of the 23rd they were they were going at it and they they all dropped new movies on halloween night so it was like we're not even pretending this is a thing. We're just jumping right to Christmas. <laughs> well, I think there was, there was, there's something too about, um, I, I mean, Christmas in, in theory, if you're in most, maybe not most, but a, a good portion of the country 
by the time Christmas rolls around, you're not going out and doing much anyway. It's cold outside. Maybe it's snowing or raining or, or whatever uh, climate change is bringing you. But it's like, ugh, I'm going to stay inside. I'm going to watch stuff anyway. October, Halloween, a little bit warmer, a little bit more of a... I mean, I know there's Christmas parties and such, but especially this year with trick-or-treating being a bit different and people are like either doing it through through shoots or some places being like, don't go out and do it at sure. all. There's more of this like, what is... I don't know how... I can't celebrate Halloween naturally. And, and why would I delight in horror when there's real horrors all surrounding me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, th- I think, you know, it, it, this is... And, and obviously, I think for a lot of people, horror is an escapism because for in a lot of cases, you have a horror film that has, you know, it's a beginning, middle and end. you know, like a monster is vanquished at the end or the mm-hmm. whatever the terrible thing. It, there is a resolution. And so if you feel like you're stuck in a horror movie that isn't ending, like there is something satisfying <laughs> about that cinematic catharsis, even if it puts you through the ringer to get there, you know. Mm-hmm. Though it did bring us um, Host, which is a, a, a mm, yes, a, yeah, which is a fantastic horror movie that is the exact length of a forty-minute Zoom call, so it's not <laughs> going to take up too much of your time, and it's going to play into those. I can't even call them tropes because that's just the reality of what we live in nowadays. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see what the kind of art that is coming out of this current period. I, I'm a fan of this NBC show called Connecting that has already been canceled, unfortunately. <laughs> But it's about already. A, wow. I didn't even think it aired yet. Uh, yeah, they, they 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 after like three or four episodes, many of which, depending on where you live, got preempted by the presidential debates anyway. So like you really have to ch- chase it to Hulu and Peacock to keep up with what's going on. <laughs> yeah, boy. Uh, but it was a, it was about a group of friends and it was set during the pandemic. And at the beginning of the episode would tell you exactly what day. So you knew like this is March and this is Memorial Day weekend. And it would be pegged to specific things that were happening in the news. Hmm. And um it was, I thought, really, you know, really promising and interesting, and 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 I wanted to see where it was going to go. But of course, also part of the, the the thing was, at some point they were just they were kind of going to lap themselves, and it was like, okay, well now we just have to be about last week because we we already used up the rest of 2020. So it's maybe just, a, it, I think if they had just said from the get go, this is a one season limited series thing, then it would have been fine. But as a series, I, I guess it maybe they ran out of places for it to go. Mm-hmm. Well, it's somewhat similar to uh, one of the reasons that they <laughs> that they canceled, not even canceled, but they decided to end Veep was like, listen, reality is so much more absurd than anything <laughs> we could write. Like, what are we even going to do moving forward? Yeah, th- these are challenging times for satirists. <laughs> of course. Um, now, you personally were, once everything kind of started hit, uh, hitting the fan in March and, and April, did you find yourself gravitating to the Christmas stuff? Like, I need comfort and certainty, or was it just kind of like, eh, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what happens? You know, it's hard to say for me because I kind of have been watching this stuff all year round anyway. Like, (laughs) you know, the book sort of gave me my cover to do so, you know, (laughs) because I I, I spent a year writing it. So that meant, okay, so it's summer. I'm still watching A Christmas Carol tonight. (laughs) Uh, And I think now, you know, because it's there and because there are these networks that will air it, then it's like, yeah, why not? Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say even if I weren't that person, I probably would have turned to it. I think it would have been my comfort thing. Cause, cause even really like around, I'd say even before the 2016 election, I was finding them to be very calming. And after the 2016 election, I really needed <laughs> them to be calming <laughs> and they were. And, and so, uh, yeah, I think they do that for me. And, uh, you know, whether it's video games or, you know, I think everybody has that thing that they turn to that sort of, you know, lowers their blood pressure or pressure and, and, and makes them feel a little cozier right now. So, you know, that was just that was my thing. What 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 has been your uh, solace? Um, I'm not sure <laughs> for a while it was um, online poker. Because okay. I was working from home for a long time, like many people were, and so and I had. It's funny, my my wife and I recently started for her watching for me rewatching Deadwood, and just a mm. lot of the scenes with Wild Bill Hickok. I'm like, man, I, I miss I miss playing poker. Like my <laughs> my I I don't. You were not aware of this, but uh, so we were we were supposed to get married in March, and so I had my bachelor party in February, and that was going down to Atlantic City, and I was gambling, oh, wow. and so we still. We still ended up getting married. There's a, a wonderful um, piece uh, in, in a, a local publication about how we kind of had to improvise and get married in a park on three hours notice because we were facing a 48-hour or, or a, a lockdown notice coming within 48 hours. So um, 
I kind of got back into into that. It's a it's a fun way. It's not even a social thing as much as it's keeping my mind sure. sharp. Um, and then at the beginning of September, we all got called back into the office five days a week, needlessly. But so I, I got back to a daily grind. But um, and also just podcasting has helped. I I do. I've I've still been doing this. I I have a second one, which is all about the reviewing cinematic adaptations of H.P. Lovecraft work, and so that's been that's kind of been going. But it's you know it's a it's also just um the keeping in mind the thing of like uh considering how many people are suffering out there physically, financially, emotionally, like we in here, like we're, we're actually doing quite well. And I'm quite thankful for that. Um, knowing that things, uh, could be worse. And I'm, I'm, I'm not yet zoomed out. I'm sure I'll get to that point, but it's still (laughs) kind of like a, there, there's a, there's a level of that, which I'm, I'm still okay with. Um, so, so it's been, it's, it's been that kind of stuff. Um, and just, uh, yeah, watching new things. I guess before we kind of talk really about in depth about the theme, we did this last year at kind of near the end of the episode. But um, in terms of any Christmas offerings, whether it be Netflix, Hulu stuff, what are some quick ones you can throw out that if people are interested, like you can check out this one or check out that one or or this? Uh, sure. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, recently dropped on Netflix, uh, and it's a, it's a, actually an eight episode series, but they're like half hours. Uh, called Dash and Lily, mm-hmm. and it's based on a, a YA uh, romance, and it's about these two teenagers who are in New York City at Christmas time and sort of uh, court each other with through this notebook that they keep leaving for each other in places and sort of daring each other to step out of their comfort zones. And uh, it's really charming and it's just a really fun, it's very New York. I mean, like they go to Macy's, they go to all these, you know, all these different sort of landmarks and very specific locations. It doesn't feel like one of those, you know, made in Vancouver, New York's, <laughs> sure. um, you know, and uh, and my friend Michael Cyril Creighton pops up as a Macy's elf and as a drag queen. So that was fun. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really charming. I think people people should check that out. And then uh, premiering on Hulu on the 25th of November is uh, a film called Happiest Season, mm-hmm. um, which is a rom-com directed by uh, Clea Duvall. And it's about a lesbian couple uh, played by uh, Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis. And they go to Mackenzie Davis's family's house for Christmas. And on the drive there, Mackenzie Davis informs Kristen Stewart, oh, by the way, I'm not out to my family yet. Um. Um, so it's a fun farcical setup, and it it also you know if you are a queer person you know that you hear that and you think oh that's kind of terrible, and the movie does acknowledge that it is kind of terrible, and they they don't play it lightly, but it is always very funny. Uh, Dan Levy plays. Uh, Kristen Stewart's best friend, and he is the Eve Arden of this movie. Like he'll waltz in, say a couple of hysterical things, and then be off again. Uh, but I, I, I think it's really sweet and funny, and people should check it out. I'm going to second the the recommendation for Dash and Lily. My wife and I started that the other day, kind of on a whim. She just kind of turned it on, like the first episode. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll watch it. And then I think we like three or four episodes later, we were just like, yeah, it, it does. It is very charming. It is. It feels like New York authentic and not just because of iconic locations, but even just like the kind of people that you would meet. I mean, the fact that there's a um, a Jewish punk band called Hollaback um, yes. was just like was, I thought, <laughs> hilarious. And the soundtracks are great, too. I never thought that I'd that I'd hear a fairy tale of New York by the Pogues on a, a Netflix show. But there it is. And, <laughs> and it also like works somehow like surprisingly well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I went in with kind of medium expectations and was like, oh, this is quite delightful. Yeah. 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 It's I mean, it's not going to it's not going to blow like, you know, blow you away. But like you're going to. like, Yeah. OK. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. buying what you're selling, Dash and Lily. I'm into it. So. Um, OK. But of course, the, the matter at hand is uh, Christmas horror films. Alonzo, yeah. you got three. They can okay. come in any order that you want. And I, I should also preface for the listeners that this is actually going to go this theme will go past Christmas just because of how my scheduling with the podcast worked out. November got started late. So November is going to go one week into December. So the, the final film, I don't know if this affects anything for you, Alonzo, but the final film will actually be in the week between Christmas and new year's. But um, I'm still, I'm still going with it anyway. Look, the 12 days of Christmas doesn't start until Christmas. That's very it true. It ends at Epiphany. That, like, I, I will not take my tree down before January 6th. So that, that week totally counts. There we go. 
Uh, all right, so let's start off. These are all I, I, I made sure they're all streaming. So uh, the, this first one is available on Amazon Prime. It is uh, 1971's "Whoever Slew Auntie Rue," and uh, <laughs> it is uh, it, it's uh, I believe an AIP uh, horror film of the early 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very much of the post whatever happened to Baby Jane, uh, what they call hag exploitation or Grand Dame Guignol, uh, and the Grand Dame in this question is Shelley Winters. Uh, and if you know Shelley Winters' work, particularly her later work, there are no half measures. Um, so she plays a woman who uh, she's a, a rich lady who is. Uh, haunted by the death of her daughter. She is always having seances. She's kind of being taken in by uh, a medium who is exploiting her grief. And uh, every year she has a big Christmas party and invites all the kids from the local orphanage to come and, uh, and stay the night. And um, so one year she has uh, the, the kids over. There is a little girl who is the dead ringer, if you'll pardon the expression, of her dead daughter. She becomes obsessed with sort of keeping her in the house. Uh, the girl's brother is played by Mark Lester from Oliver, and uh, the two of them sort of conspire to escape and save themselves. And it is not a spoiler to say that this is a film inspired by Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> yes, it's it's even um, right there in the IMDb summary. Um, yeah, a demented widow lures unsuspecting children into her mansion in a bizarre Hansel and Gretel twist. Um, I don't know what the twist is. Um, I can't say that I don't want to know because I'm going to find out no matter what. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's fun. It is very, um, you know, I, I think you, you a lot of the, the, the AIP horror, especially the ones they made in Britain, are kind of, they're not quite at hammer level, but there is... That the, there, there's the same sort of great parade of character actors mm-hmm. and a, a a sense of ghoulishness that maybe you wouldn't necessarily get uh, in an American film. Um, but yeah, so this this is just this uh, this creepy little story about you know a scary old lady and some enterprising children, and it's all set at Christmas time. And uh, yeah, I, I I had a lot of fun with it, and it's you know I think. You know, when I when I when I read my list, my husband was like, that's not really a horror film. But, you know, <laughs> by my stakes, it is because uh, it doesn't take much for me. <laughs> now, is it is it the is it Viscera that kind of I don't want to say turns you off from horror, that, but that separates you from kind of connecting with it? Or is it just kind of a, even emotionally or totally what you're looking for in a movie? It's, uh, you know, I, the, yeah, the, the gore is not my top of my list. I, I'm not the 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 sudden jump you know kind mm. of like it's it can be fun but like I don't wonder all the time and I don't know there's something about uh, I don't know maybe maybe I just like uh, would rather people be nice to each other <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of cruelty and horror and there should be and it's that's it's, it's a it's a feature not a bug but it's just <laughs> it's not the thing I'm dying to see you know I mean there's there's a lot of cruelty towards each other in a Christmas story as well. And I, and, you know, I guess the well, connecting true. thread being Bob Clark, you know, both <laughs> that and, and, and black Christmas. And it is funny you say that. And then I'm just kind of thinking like, Oh, poor Alonzo, that one of the first things he saw was black Christmas, which that's a, that is a bleak kind of hopeless yeah. movie. Definitely. So, but I think, you know, it, it, pretty much if you show me any sort of early seventies Canadian film that's set in the dead of winter. Like I'm expecting it to be pretty grim from the jump. So, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, I told you I covered that when I covered that for, um, I did Canuxploitation was, uh, was, ah. was that theme. So it was black Christmas, uh, my bloody Valentine and then class of 1984. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> and, and I seem to be in the minority when I, I didn't care really for, for either of the latter two, but that's, you know, maybe that's why nobody listens to this podcast. But um, whoever slew Antiru, and I, I must say, somewhat pretentiously, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a pretty good idea of what Alonzo is going to recommend me. I have literally never heard of this movie until right now, so this is oh good, yeah. So this, I, this is gonna be splendid. I do like the surprise, and it's directed by Curtis Harrington, who has a really fascinating kind of real life story. Um, you know, he was very involved in these sort of like Hollywood mystic uh, witchcraft community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, my, my friend Lisa Jane Persky wrote this amazing article about his funeral where like Kenneth Anger got up and talked about how he and Curtis had once summoned a Dibbuk. Um <laughs> Wow. 
Yeah, he's he's a, he was one of a kind. Um, but you know, he directed Night Tide with uh, with Dennis Hopper, and uh, I want to say that he also did with Shelley Winters again a, a film right after that called uh, What's the Matter with Helen? Um, that's it, it, that's Shelley Winters and Debbie Reynolds. It's a lot of fun. Whatever happened to Helen? Whoever slew <laughs> Auntie Rue? Whenever are we getting to Grandma's? He, he he could maybe build a franchise off these. Oh yeah, no. Again, Baby Jane did a lot of inspired a lot of things. And if you if you made it if you put it in the form of a question, as the <laughs> as the late Alex Trebek would say, then people knew exactly what kind of movie they were in for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harrington also uh, directed uh, Ruby, which was a post Carrie horror film with um, Piper Laurie. Oh uh, yes, um, if it, <laughs> which is funny because I didn't. Do I? have a correct memory thing that Piper Laurie thought that she was making a comedy when she was making Carrie or, or assumed, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that sounds, I've heard that story. I don't know if it's apocryphal or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Cause if the horror genre doesn't love doing or loves anything, it's, um, it's imitating the successes that came before it. So um, yeah, but okay. So whoever slew anti Rue number one, what do we got going on for number two? Okay, so for number two, uh, this is a, 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 also from the is it the seventies or or eighties? Uh, Hang on, let me get this in front of me now. Um, it, this would be uh, this is from the early eighties, a film called Christmas Evil, um, <laughs> which John Waters will tell you is his favorite Christmas movie. So, sorry, from nineteen eighty. <laughs> so if that's not recommendation enough, I don't know what to tell you, but. Uh, oh, it is a very cool and very twisted uh, movie about a guy who, um, as a child, uh, becomes obsessed with Santa Claus in a way that is not entirely not tied into sex. Um, <laughs> but that's, you'll have to see the film to figure that out for yourself. Anyway, um, he grows up to be played by uh, Brandon Maggard, who is a an actor that some people might know from, he was actually on Sesame Street for years. He was a Tony nominee for a company uh, and he's Fiona Apple's father. <laughs> um, wow. And he, he, so he, he works in a toy factory. He spies on children in his neighborhood and keeps track of who's naughty and who's nice. Sure. Um, and of course, as, as so often happens in uh, horror movies, he reaches that moment where he snaps and uh, starts going around dressed as Santa and uh, murdering uh, adults who he thinks are naughty, who are transgressive, um, only to find that when uh, when people come after him uh, because he is dressed as Santa, the children all rush to his defense. Uh, <laughs> and it has an ending that I will not spoil, but is like nothing you've ever seen. Oh, boy. Um, wonderful. And, and also, um, I don't know how prominent he is, but um, on IMDb, at least, Jeffrey DeMunn, who, of course, The Walking Dead, uh, yes. The Mist, a, a longtime character actor and horror veteran. So that's a, that, that's at least a, a, an anchor of, of um, familiarity or um, or certainty that I can at least um, latch on to. The original title for this, apparently, uh, You Better Watch Out. Yes, which ties into something we'll be talking about later. But I, I, w- I was going to bring that up. But yeah, it was. It, it has been known as both of those films. Uh, you better watch out, or Christmas Evil. Uh, there is, I want to say, a a Blu-ray from recent years that has a commentary track in which John Waters interviews the film's writer director Lewis Jackson, um, which is pretty <laughs> fascinating. Uh, other familiar faces: Patricia Richardson pops up from uh, from Home Improvement. She's oh. one of the uh, okay. neighborhood moms, right. and uh, one of the policemen in this movie is a character actor named uh raymond j barry who uh later pops up in the ref as the chief of police in the small town Hmm. if you know that movie which is also a christmas movie (laughs) um but yeah christmas evil is um you know i'll tell you one of the few movies that i absolutely could not finish in writing this book and just decided not even to try to 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 get into it was the movie (laughs) maniac do you know that one i i've heard of it and i know that elijah wood was responsible for a remake unless it's maniac cop but i no 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 no, it's maniac you're right elijah wood did do a remake the original one is just so not just gross in terms of of gore but like the it, it it just puts you into the 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 mindset of this really awful serial killer and it just everything about it just seems seamy and gross and dirty and just unpleasant i i i couldn't cope with it i know people love that movie i'm not pooping on it. it's just not for me mm. um 
this movie, I think, you know, is is similarly uh, very much in the POV of somebody who is, is has snapped. Uh, but I think uh, done in a much more I don't want to, maybe I don't know if artful is the word, but but it, it was it was a place that I could visit and not feel like as needing a, a silkwood shower afterwards the way I did watching Maniac. <laughs> um, but I think but Magger's performance is really great, and you know the you could probably like pin down some issues with this movie's idea of the character psychology, but nonetheless I think it, it you know a lot of times people will get into these arguments about like is is Die Hard really a Christmas movie, you know? And mm -hmm. I, I don't know what the delineation is in terms of whereby a movie can't just be set at Christmas and has to specifically incorporate, you know, X, Y, or Z Christmas thing into it. But I'd say this movie is very undeniably a Christmas movie. It is so baked in in terms of how much, what Christmas has to do with the character motivation and and a lot of other things that happen in the film and why um, that I, I think it's, it is unquestionably so and it's it's uh it's unsettling in a really good way now do you know um why john waters loves it so much and also how that might be connected to just lewis jackson as a director because now granted I, uh, imdb doesn't tell the whole picture but looking at his resume he's only got three director credits this one uh his debut called the deviates and then in the middle sandwich in the middle ironically enough is a movie called the transformation a sandwich of nightmares <laughs> yeah i have not seen jackson's other films and i don't know and I, and I need to go back and listen to that waters interview with him but you know waters loves christmas period like he's he's written whole essays about it uh how much he loves the holiday and he and he talks in that essay about how much he loves this movie and i think the fact that you know, I'd say apart from Black Christmas, it's probably one of the first of the Christmas horror movies. And mm. so I think it is a, an early uh, example of somebody taking something that has generally been, you know, presented in, in one very specific way in movies and being like, let's flip that. Let's see what we can do to make this dark and disturbing and unsettling and not, you know, cheery and, and light and, and, and breezy. Uh, so I'm sure that sense of it obviously must have appealed to Waters. Um, and I think the movie has this really sort of sneakily subversive sense of humor in that it just goes to some really strange places. And, and maybe the first one that dealt with um, uh, a Christmas play on words, a tradition that would be followed with Silent Night, Deadly Night, um, a little bit later on. And uh, I'm sure um, Santa Slay, starring, of course, Bill Goldberg, the wrestler. <laughs> Um, and, and actually, well, Black, Black Christmas in the United States was originally uh, released under the title uh, 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 Silent Night, Evil Night, yes. uh, because they thought that the title Black Christmas made it sound like it was a black exploitation film. Right. Yes. <laughs> so I, I have seen some posters of the Silent Night, Evil Night title floating around. So, yeah, it, it definitely uh, these movies all sort of started the idea of like, let's let's take a Christmas carol and make it evil. <laughs> Um, and then speaking of A Christmas Carol and plays on words, um, I think my favorite Christmas pun, if we're calling it that, is still from um, from Scrooge, in which the net, the the motto of the network is IBC, you'll love it, um, Y-U-L-E, love it, which is, right, right, um, right. <laughs> which is I don't, listen, Alonzo, I don't know how many times I've watched that movie, and every single time, like, there's a great movie buried here somewhere, but it's not this one that I'm watching. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I don't love Scrooge the way a lot of people do, but there are discrete moments of it that I can pull out and be like, yes, this works, this works, and this works. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think the doing some research on it, because I've done research on it, regrettably, I suppose, um, it just seems like uh, Bill Murray blames it on Richard Donner, and Richard Donner just kind of doesn't want to talk about it that much. <laughs> yeah, I, I look, I suspect that, you know, Murray was sort of given his head on that one. You know, I, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't look like there was anybody else running the show. Uh, <laughs> as much as I like that final monologue, like that just feels like, okay, you're just going to go do this now. You know? <laughs> um, okay. So Christmas evil number two, what have we got for a final wrap up for Christmas horror films? So number three, this one is actually not in my book only because it uh, is too recent and mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it came out in the last few years. And uh, it is 2016's Better Watch Out, not uh. to be confused with 
you better watch out, which is the alternate title for Christmas Evil. Uh, this is a horror comedy directed by Chris Peckover um, from a script uh, by Zach Kahn. And it is uh, basically there was an article a couple of years ago that that posited the idea that Kevin from Home Alone grew up to become Jigsaw from Saw. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> In terms of the like, just horrible torture devices that he uh, comes up with, mm -hmm. and uh, this movie I think sort of presents a middle ground of like, what if Kevin got to be, be what if Kevin turned into a horny fourteen-year-old teenager uh, <laughs> with designs on his babysitter? Um, and so uh, it's about a kid named Luke, played by Levi Miller, who uh, was on Supergirl for a while and was in the terrible movie Pan. Uh, as it was the Peter Pan prequel as Peter Pan. Sure. Uh, movie was not his fault, but oh, that one was terrible. <laughs> anyway, he's really good in this one as this seemingly cherubic, angelic-looking kid who uh, the more layers you peel away, the more you, you start to find something really disturbing going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a movie where uh, it kept me guessing. And, and, and I'll say part of it is Usually when you see a trailer to a movie, it, it kind of gives away the goods. Mm -hmm. And this one, you see the trailer and you think you know the movie you're getting. And then you see it. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. There's something entirely different going on here. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a lot happening. And um, Olivia de Jong plays the, uh, the, the babysitter. Uh, his parents show up uh, at the beginning of the film and they are played by... Uh, Virginia Madsen and um, Patrick uh, Warburton. Patrick Warburton. Thank yep. you. I was going to say Ron Regal, but I knew that wasn't right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I think this movie is really inventive and clever. Uh, the the pacing is really great. Like this is some, you know, uh, uh, this is the kind of movie where I really admire the editing as far as not just within the sort of like horror moments in terms of catching you off guard or, or you know, the, the, the shocks and jolts, but just in the entire arc of the storytelling i think comes together really well so yeah it's uh, it's from a few years ago it hasn't it, it it hasn't you know developed a giant cult just yet but it does have its fan base and i'm i'm firmly uh, in it now in, in full disclosure this is i i've seen this one it, it's been ah. it's been a while and that doesn't necessarily spoil anything I, i've i've uh, i've i've relaxed my standards on this and so i've i've done i've done plenty of films which i have seen before but i, I will say It'll be worth a revisit because I know one I was kind of not paying the closest attention to it. Um, mm. There is you are correct. I would say that like this movie went in a place I did not expect it to go. And now, but at the risk of minor spoilers, I guess for listeners if they haven't seen it, okay. how how would you respond to? Because one thing that I kind of felt this film was, and and feel free to disagree with me, kind of mean spirited. I mean, that's that, that is a very eye of the beholder kind of thing. Mm, uh, sure. You know, I mean, I, I, I maybe have a darker sense of humor about it. And so, like, <laughs> I, I think, I, I, you know, I, I think when you talk about a film being mean spirited, it's sort of like, well, are they endorsing this point of view or are they presenting this point of view? Or like, mm -hmm. in other words, are we meant to think of this character as a hero or are we meant to think of him as a schmuck and... And so, like, yes, he's behaving terribly, but the movie knows he's behaving terribly and is in no way endorsing that. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I think that there's a way to uh, my read of this film is one where you can be sort of simultaneously impressed with the depths to which people will go. And at the same time, realize, oh, God, you're awful, aren't you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, which I, I, you know, and I would apply that to say, you know, reading Wuthering Heights, for instance, you know, where all of the characters are despicable. But if you aren't too, in, in, you know, uh, uh, in, in need of having somebody to root for necessarily, it's entertaining to watch how other people's awfulness plays off against each other, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And this was this was I think this was even something that I maybe found near the end of the season, because like by the time I had come to Better Watch Out, I had gone through all the this like the the favorite the go-to Christmas movies that I had that I'd watched and rewatched time and time again kind of dug through Disney plus and even some of their offerings and watched a Mickey Christmas Carol for the first time since I think I taped it on VHS when I was a kid mm -hmm. and so then found my way to shutter like okay what does shutter have to offer me and I didn't want to watch like you know it wasn't Krampus but it was like Klaus versus Krampus or something I'm like no I'll, I'll, <laughs> right. I'll pass but I'm like oh this this one seems interesting what is this and yeah 
Um, I don't think I, I was certainly not expecting what it was offering. So I think seeing it again is going to be good because there's always things that you pick up again on that second time and just kind of, uh, I'm a different person now than I was then. So how is this going to, to play out? But yeah. Sure. No. And, and I think also sometimes you, you know, uh, I find a lot of times with, with films, uh, either I, uh, if, whether if, if I have preconceived notions and obviously I'm, I'm operating from a different level because I know what I'm getting now. Sometimes even I think, uh, for, for I think really great movies have the power to kind of make you change sides. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like there, a, a film that I wrote about in the book that I'm a big fan of is, is Arnaud Desplechon's A Christmas Tale. Mm. Um, and that's a movie that I've seen multiple times. And I will sometimes, I'll, 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 I'll be about midway through and go, oh, you know what? This character who I thought was terrible maybe has a point <laughs> and maybe I shouldn't have been rooting for that other character who maybe is as bad as they say, you know, like, so that, you know, I'm not saying that better watch out is necessarily that kind of movie, but I think it, you know, a, a second viewing might allow you to at least sort of step back and take it in as it unfolds, as opposed to necessarily like hitching your wagon to one character or another, and then maybe coming to some realizations that were a surprise. Yeah, but an apt metaphor, too, because um, A Christmas Tale was one that you recommended me last year when we did foreign Christmas films, and that was one that I had seen before and I had hated revisiting it for this podcast. Listeners will already know this, Alonzo will not, but I really loved it, like, on the second time around. Oh, and just so glad kinda, to hear that. Yeah, there, I mean, there were some, still some characters, and it, it's a large ensemble, so there's going to be yeah. some that you connect with and some not, but just, yeah, the way that um, the writer-director just kind of captures visually and emotionally that kineticism of, like, a bunch of different emotional balls of, like, <laughs> tension coming together, it was so, it was so great. Um, no. So, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe this won't be as revelatory as, as an experience, <laughs> but, you know, who knows? Who knows what'll happen? We live in hope. <laughs> true so um so as a recap we got whoever slew anti rue we have christmas evil and we have uh better watch out so um yeah like i said alonzo you are you are no uh spring chicken to this podcast this is now i think your third time I here so, maybe, yeah. maybe third fourth um but but if if at this point people are still like who's this guy where can i get around <laughs> to him where can people get around to you Sure. Well, uh, my Twitter is a Duralde, a D as in David, U R A L D E. And I pretty much link to whatever I've got going on, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I have been, I'm, I'm the reviews editor at the rap T H E W R A P.com. Uh, and then, uh, my, my husband and I, uh, co-host the linoleum knife podcast. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary, oh, congratulations. Of pod, yeah, there which is crazy. Um, and then I'm also co-host of uh, breakfast all day who shot ya, And, uh, as of this, this year, my my pandemic podcast, uh, a film and a movie, uh, where where Dan from the Deck to Hallmark podcast and I uh, trace the DNA of a recent film back to an earlier classic, and uh, we've had a really amazing array of, of of guests this year of film critics and filmmakers who've come on to talk about stuff. So uh, you know, it's it's still pretty new, but I I I'd love to send people to that one because I'm really proud of it, and I think we've we've managed to have some really good conversations. Oh, no, the, the premise sounds very intriguing. Um, so- so I, I will certainly be looking that one up. And just real briefly, what are, what are the, the, the hooks or the premises behind the other two? Oh, sure. Uh, Breakfast All Day is basically, if you ever watched uh, who, uh, uh, What the Flick, which was uh, the, the review show that I was doing for years on the Young Turks Network on YouTube, uh, TYT got rid of their non-political shows, but the critics who did uh, What the Flick wanted to keep the band together. So Christy Lemire and Matt Ashety and every so often Ben Mankiewicz and I every week will review new movies uh, on YouTube and as a podcast. And then we have a Patreon where we talk about, you know, TV shows and other extra stuff. And then Who Shot Ya is a show I've been doing for about three years now on uh, Maximum Fun. And basically the premise is that it is a, no offense, it's a movie review podcast that is not a bunch of straight white guys. Uh, <laughs> Done taken. So the, the current lineup is, uh, it's hosted by Ify Wadaway, uh and uh, Drea Clark and I are, are the regulars. And then we also often have a recurring, uh, a rotating uh, uh, fourth seat of critics and comedians and other folks to talk about uh, usually new movies. Uh, at the moment we are in the middle of, uh, we're, we're doing some, doing a classic retrospective and uh, we're revisiting the three films in the Cornetto trilogy. Oh, fantastic. I, ugh, I love those movies and still don't have, there needs to be like a definitive 
box Blu-ray, set. Blu-ray box set of that coming because I, I know they have like the trilogy, but it's still just kind of like oh, it, it seems like Universal you put this off as sort of an afterthought. Yeah, no, you're right. We 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 just after, we just finished doing Shaun of the Dead. We're like, yeah, where is the Criterion box for this? One hundred percent. But um, yeah, but uh, Alonzo, no, certainly no offense taken. I am um a <laughs> I am so arrogant in my pretensions that <laughs> I I am a straight white guy who does a podcast, which is largely just him talking to himself. So <laughs> you know, you know what? That those are the easiest kind to produce, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's also very true, but um. And of course, if you want to email this uh, arrogant straight white man, it is uh, you do movies badly at gmail.com. You can tweet at me at Nolan Fixes Teeth. Um, catch up on back episodes uh, at BattleshipRetention.com. Uh, I do movies badly on Spotify, on Google Play, on Apple Music, um, or Apple, what, whatever Apple's thing is. I've been so far. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, I guess, is what they call Apple it. Apple Podcasts. Yeah. So and um and uh, Amazon Music as well. So. Um, Alonzo, thank you once again for this uh, this yearly tradition. Thanks. Uh, oh, and as a quick as a quick reminder, have yourself a movie little Christmas. Still a thing. Still on Amazon. Uh, you can get it as a book or a Kindle, and uh, you know, tis the season. Have there been any any discussions as to a revised edition and adding on to it at all? Uh, I would be game. Uh, you know, we haven't quite gotten there yet. In the meantime, I've been working on a book with my friends at the Deck the Hallmark podcast about their reviews of Hallmark movies, and that's going to be out in fall of 2021. Wonderful. So I, I would, uh, I'd start a Patreon for you, but um, I can't guarantee that there'd be any contributions <laughs> to that. So um, you, you are far more proper than I am at, at this point, but uh, I'll, I'll chip a couple bucks your way if it ever gets to that point, Alonzo. <laughs> You're on. So, okay. Uh, yeah, listeners, thank you for uh, tuning in uh, to this. Um, be sure to tune in next week where I'll be covering whoever slew Auntie Rue and where hopefully I will be just a little bit less ignorant. And even though it is early as of this recording and even when this episode goes up, Alonzo, uh, Merry Christmas to you and your husband. Merry Christmas, you guys, and uh, and congratulations on your wedding. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.